This is Sounds on Vinyl, the podcast that celebrates the best rock, metal, and punk music on vinyl. And now, here's Mike and Phil. Hey, hey, everyone. This is the Sounds on Vinyl show. My name is Phil Boyer, and on the other side of the sea is Mike. Hey, Mike, what's going on? Hey, hey, everybody. What's going on? Well, uh, as usual, in the beginning of every show... It's come to be a tradition. I'll bring you an update from the violent community over there on Instagram. And this week has been a very special week. We'll be have been talking about Japanese pressed records. Uh, a friend of mine uh, called Soren from Vinyl Denmark made a hashtag called Japanese Vinyl Week, where he encouraged others to join. So, uh, so that's what I did. Nice. But yeah. But mainly my contribution is mainly Kiss. So it's, it's, it, that's still like the only thing I really collect. So I showed uh, showed off uh, a couple of my uh, Japanese pressings. And they're re- really cool because they're a lot different from, from the US ones or, or the original stuff uh, you know, on uh, the Casablanca Kiss label. So it's it's with lyric sheets and gatefolds and and so forth. So and it's it's really cool. Nice. Uh, yeah, but Soren, I got to tell you about Soren. He's a really cool guy. He actually made a book himself called Everything About Vinyl. But unfortunately, it's only in Danish. But I I have it and I understand Danish, and it's really awesome. He did several interviews with a lot of a lot of people or a lot of bands like King Diamond, Merciful Faith, BDA, and so forth. And he visited printing plants. He talked to people that uh, pressed vinyls back in the day, and people that are starting up right now. What's the difference? And and um, it's a it's a really great book. And I told him it should be translated at least into into English, but uh, it's really really cool. Book. Very awesome. That 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 sounds cool. Yeah, I yeah. wish the book was in English. I'd give it a yeah. <laughs> sounds cool. Yes. And that is just a little tiny taste of what goes on over there on Instagram. So if you're not already, go over there, get your ass over there to Instagram and follow Sounds on Vinyl and share in all the awesome stuff that Mike is doing over there because it's a hell of a lot of fun. It really is. Yeah. All right. Tonight, tonight we go back to 1989 for an album that had not one, but two demo versions before the final production with Bob Rock. And let's see. So, Mike, you, you'll probably get a kick out of this. The first demo version actually had Eric Singer from Kiss on it. Yeah, no. Yeah, of course I, 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 yeah, I wished he, he was... I, I thought he was going to tour with them, but he was uh, all tied up in, in other projects. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually spoke to him about this, but he, he couldn't actually remember what was going on at the time. But I met him at, as one of the at one of those kiss conventions, and I we talked about the cults because uh, they're actually one of my all time favorite bands. So, uh, but it's it's uh, he, he remember remember it fondly. It was a very cool time for him. So, and uh, so that first demo version had fourteen songs on it, and then. That wasn't enough, so they put together a second one, which put Chris Taylor behind the drum kit. That one had 15 songs. 
And so the record we are, of course, talking about tonight is Colt's fourth album called Sonic Temple. Now, that record reached number 10 on Billboard's Top 200 and number three on BPI's UK album chart. And it's just a great record. And Mike, what did you think of this record when you first dropped the needle on it? Well, <clears throat> I, I just love this album from start to finish now. But it was actually a fluke that I started to listen to the cult in the first place. I uh, saw a video, a, a very weird video for the song Love from the album with the, with the same name. And it was I was such a snob growing up. I, I couldn't take it if it weren't like Maiden or Priest or Kiss or Metallica. So I just thought, it, it, oh my God, it's it's too weird. He's licking his microphone and he's doing all this crazy shit. But a friend of mine had had bought the album Sonic Temple and he played it for me. And I actually didn't know. I, I couldn't uh, recognize the cult. So so he showed me the video for Firewoman. And I thought it was really awesome. So I went out and bought the album myself and backtracked from there and bought both Love and Electric uh, some days later. And I've been a fan ever since. So uh, it was a, it's a cool, cool way to go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, for me, it was uh, somewhat similar. Um, it was about 1989 when I first started um getting into the cult and my then girlfriend now wife kate she gave me a cassette tape of the electric record right and sonic temple had been out already but i didn't really pay attention to it because like you i was too into you know metallica and you know maiden and priest and all that so the cult never like entered my radar at all and since none of my friends listened to them and, and I don't think any of the metal stations that I listened to ever played them. So I really wasn't exposed to them. So it, it actually took my wife to expose me to the cult. And she goes and she fires up the, the first song, Wildflower. And I'm like, okay, this is a little bit different. You know, it's different than what I'm used to. But I'm like, okay, this sounds kind of cool. From there, you know, I went, like I usually do, I went backward. I started with Dreamtime. And Dreamtime was an odd record. I think it really was. And that's yeah. what I thought, thought when I saw the video for Love. It's sort of like the same image with, with those. It's weird. It's really weird stuff. It's not rock and roll. It's something else. I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know what that is. But yeah, so that was an odd record. So I'm like, okay, you know, maybe it, it, it's not... You know, that electric record was really just a one-off. So I'm probably not going to like them. But then I heard a couple tracks off the Love record, which you mentioned. And I'm like, okay, uh, you know, that's not too bad. And, and apparently over there on Instagram, talking about Instagram before, uh, a lot of people like the, the Love record too. So I'm like, okay, maybe there's something here. So at some point I'm in the car and uh, there's a radio station in LA called KROQ or K-Rock, which my wife listened to and sweet soul sister came on right and i'm like holy crap this is a pretty decent song i'm liking this and keep in mind like if you're not familiar with k-rock they play stuff like the pesh mode and howard jones and erasure they definitely <laughs> don't play rock and roll not the stuff that we usually talk about on this show for sure <laughs> Anyway, the, 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 the keyboards come on, and I'm, like, instantly intrigued by this song. So 
after that, I went right over to Tower Records. Those of you that remember the good old t- days of Tower Records, and I, I grabbed my copy of it. And like you, I've been a cult fan ever since. They're one of those bands that really, they're a lot like ECDC in the sense that it's the cult. It's always yeah. the and I don't know if it's Ian Asbury's voice that really makes that happen or or what, but you're, you're pretty much guaranteed a pretty decent record by the by those guys. Yeah, yeah. I I have a hard time getting into that the first album, but from Love and 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 there on, it's 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 really really good music. It's well played, it's well produced, and and the songs are great and everything else. I dig it. <laughs> yeah yeah that Dreamtime record man i don't know what the hell they were thinking with that one <laughs> no no but a, a friend of mine he, he was into um you know sisters of mercy and and all, all those bands that were a little uh, a bit gothic back in the day and mm-hmm. it, for him it made sense he started with that album so and the more it became rock and roll the more everything made sense because he actually didn't think that the first album was anything like the Sisters of Mercy and, and you know, the deep, dark stuff that those guys wrote about. Uh, so when Love came, ah, this is, okay, they're trying to be a band like this. Okay, now I get it. So he, he was pretty happy when, when the sound changed because it's radically changed from the first album, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's almost like two different bands. Yeah, really. Yeah, they they ought to just kind of disown that record. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's your what's your favorite songs on on Sonic Temple? Oh, it's got to be like Soul Asylum. That that's like one of my favorite cult songs. Yeah, that's a good one. Whole. But there's that one. There's Sun King, Automatic Blues. I mean, it, it, it's just it, it's a really good record overall. But yeah, Soul Asylum. Yeah be one of my favorites i i had a hard time picking favorites because i i actually like them all it's we talked about this before it's rarely that, that you, you you own a record where you like every song on it it's like the, the guns and roses appetite it's, mm-hmm. there is not a bad song on that album and for me it's the sonic temple it's the more i listen to it the more i love it but i have to go with firewoman because that's the first song i ever heard from that album and i saw the video and i thought it was oh my god ian esprit with his long dark hair and and the hat with with the skull on and oh my god i'm i'm so i'm so nerdy when it, it comes to to a theatrical stuff you know me yeah and uh, and i have yeah. to go with uh, sun king and uh, i have to say Edie, Shao baby and my all-time favorite sweet soul sister I just love that song. Yeah, really. Yeah, you're not you're not quite there. I can hear it. <laughs> no, it, it's one of my. No, it's it, it's a good song. I like the song. Yeah. Um, it, it was you know one of the first songs I heard from them. It's just not but one it, of my. But it but record. it's one of those things that I, I just love when I when I talk to people about music. You can hear something in a song that people go, "What? Do you really like this?" I think it's crap. Well, I like it, but people tend to go with, well, if you like this, uh, I think you're a moron. But I tend to go with, 
what is it about this song or band or whatever that you like? Could you describe it for me? Because that's the thing I'm interested in. Right. Who cares? Because, I, I mean, there's a lot of bands and there's a lot of music that I actually don't like at all. But I can respect and relate to when people say, I got this band, man. And I, I got this album and these songs and I really dig it. It does everything for me. And I can really respect and go into that with them, listening to, to some music that I I haven't sat down and listened to myself before. And just by touching their experience, I could go off on that and, and think, wow, that's really cool. And and even though I'm I'm I, I will leave it at that and go on and listen to uh, other bands and other music that I like more. I can respect that people are getting into their own stuff by themselves. And I think it's so awesome. And that's what music is all about for me. And that's what I think is sad about the music industry of today is that Bands are thinking twice about releasing full-length albums. I saw Disturbed. They're really they're going to release just a couple of singles here and there that they're not going to release an album. I know you guys in Grand Reserva are doing more single-based yeah. than yeah. album, and, and I think that 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 sort of a it, it makes me sad because we don't have that that album experience where you've got this collection of 10 to 12 songs of different, and and there could be like different types of songs on there that we can all talk about and relate to and go, okay, yeah, that one's great, but this one's not my favorite. And, oh, well, this one, that one is my favorite. And this, you know, like you were saying, and this is why, and we can kind of discuss this, this Thing as a as a collection as as a, a a one thing instead of several different songs, you know it, it's yeah. it, it's but, a but it's 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 the ind- it's it's the industry because uh, I mean I grew up buying albums for like brand new when they when they first came out for like five bucks back then when I was like sixteen or seventeen years old it was not a lot of money, but mm-hmm. 200% the prices went up. I yeah. think I read somewhere. If you're a band like like us in Grand Reserva, and we've been doing this for some 10 years, and you have to put out an album and you have to charge people 25 bucks for a full-length album of Grand Reserva, when you can get the newest album from whoever, that are more famous or more well known than than we are for like twenty six or or even lower. Uh, of course, they were going to go with 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 uh, the other other part. But for us to release an album, we would love to do it. But it's it's way too much money for consumers. I think. I mean, we could we could do it, but it's. I don't think it it will be worth it anymore because the industry it's it's totally fucked up when it when it comes to that. I mean, smaller bands like us we don't stand a chance, and it's okay because we will manage either way. We'll do what we do, even though the industry says you have to do it like this. 
then I say, fuck you, we're doing it the way we want to do it. But I think in, that you will cheat the, the people and, and the fans if you have to charge them like 25 bucks just to get, I mean, our cut would be like five, five bucks a record. And then the record company and then the promotion and then all the other stuff that, that clings on to a release in an album. And I, that's why we're only doing, as of now, as of now, <laughs> only singles. Because who knows what's going to happen in the future. But yeah. that's how we feel about it. Yeah. You know, on top of that, you've got ticket prices for shows yeah. have yeah. gone way 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 up i mean i remember going to shows and it'd be like 15 20 bucks to get in there to, to see a show and now it's 50 to 70 if not even more yeah to, to go see a show and it's like okay well <laughs> and and for me where i live no bands come through here i gotta drive three to four hours to go see a band and that means that on top of the ticket prices i've got gas i've got a hotel food all that stuff i it, it's like yeah. it's like a little mini vacation to go to see a show yeah you know? and you end up spending for, for me and my wife to go see a show we went and saw the peshmoda a couple summers back the total cost was somewhere five six hundred bucks yeah yeah you know and it, it's it, it gets expensive and it it's it's hard for consumers to support bands yeah the bands that they want to you know, and I think that's why you've got a lot of streaming services like Spotify that are kind of allowing people to pay uh, 10 bucks a month or whatever it is to listen to all the music they want yeah. with the hopes that maybe they'll go spend that 50 to 70, 80 bucks on a show. Yeah. Where the yeah. fans make more of the money anyway. Yeah. And and, and, and there's uh, uh, another sign to, to this coin too, and it's our biggest audience is in south america mm. and in in argentina and venezuela and bolivia and and brazil and so forth and they got no money at all so right. so we, we we usually uh through uh, oh this is a breaking thing this is uh, this is news man are you ready <laughs> i'm ready we act we <laughs> we actually uh, said to our record company if you want you could send mp3s to the radio stations and let them share it for free down there because wow. i mean you, you got stuff going on in venezuela and, and bolivia and, and so forth with people losing their homes and and it's it's everything is chaos and if we could help out even a little bit we would do so and they agreed. So, so they're sending all the stuff that we that we produce to the radio station. And, and there is a guy. There's always a guy, but this is our special guy, who <laughs> through our record company. It, it's a friend of of uh, uh, the boss at our record company. So he he sends down MP3s there, and then they'll copy it and 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 uh, distribute it. And and they. They played on, on, on the streaming services down there and, and web radio stations. So we would tour South America if we could, but it's way too much money. But who am I to cry? We're like uh, on the top lists 
right now, as of two weeks ago in Brazil, Argentina, Bolivia, Venezuela, and uh, Chile. So, so I'm not complaining. <laughs> no, no, that's pretty no. awesome. Yeah, it's, now, it's really cool. Yeah. Now, since we, we're going off on this tangent here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, l- let's continue it a little bit. And, and let me ask sure. you a question that I probably asked you way back in the day when we first met. Mm-hmm. And that is, do you think the internet is helping or hurting bands, both established, well-established household name bands and smaller bands like Grand Reserva? Uh, it's, there is not, not an easy way to answer that question because we've been very successful on the internet. I mean, we got, I, I don't know how we did it, but we got over 9,000 followers on, on Facebook and we're connecting to people all over the world. I mean, 9,000 for, for a band that nobody has a clue who the fuck we are, that's pretty good. And to keep on playing uh, our music in South America, uh, South Africa, we've been on radio station in South Africa, we've done interviews with people down there. Uh, we have Australia, we just hit the market in, in, uh, in Africa. Uh, in e- Egypt and, and in the Middle East. I'm, I'm actually right now talking to uh, the people that uh, distribute our music down there because we, we, we think it's so cool that the Middle East is, uh, is rocking out also. Uh, so that's pretty cool. So for me to answer that question in all sincerity, uh, it's done it for us. I, I cannot speak uh for the whole music community but i think it's it's really good because you tend to go to places where you have never gone before with your music and we tend to go to the places where people don't have any money but we're lighting up their day uh, with the music that we do and that what we produce and People are DMing us on, on, on Facebook saying how much our music uh, meant to them in, in different ways and, and o- over the email too. Uh, and it's, it's nuts to think that there's people all over the world listening to a, a small, tiny band called Grand Reserve out of Sweden. And to think that this would happen the way it did and, and I mean, we've been doing this for 10 years and we've been playing since we were like teenagers and we're, we're getting old. So, so we, we, we've done it all. We've seen everything. Everything's changed. I mean, I remember going out there in, in the beginning with my first record deal with, with a band where we, we got paid, like I think it was some, somewhere around $20,000 up front to to play play a show and it, and it's nuts and and nowadays you, you should be glad if you get some some beer and, and food and 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 expenses for for your travels but it's everything has changed but you can reach a lot of, of people through the internet and through the streaming services in a way that 
you weren't able before. I mean, we had cassette tapes back in the day that we mm-hmm. printed ourselves. We made copies and, and distributed to, to our friends. It was tape trading back in the day. And now you, you could put it up on, on, on internet and then an MP3 and, and you could tell people, download, download it for free and spread the word. And for us, as a small band, it, it made all the difference. But I think, I mean, I read about the Napster thing with, with Lars Ulrich from Metallica, and I know how he feels. Uh, of course, it's, it's stealing if, if, if it hasn't been consensual with the artist, but we are consensual. We don't care. Spread the music, come to the sh- see a show and, and have a good time. I mean, if you can tell your friends way, way, way down in, in the Bolivian jungle or way, way down in Iran or Iraq or, or Sudan or whatever to play Grand Reserve music, please <laughs> do. Who, who am I to judge you? I, I don't care. As long as you play our music and, and you tell at least two of your friends and they'll tell two of their friends and then they have a big party and play us in front of a bonfire and take pictures for Christ's sakes. We want to <laughs> see that shit. Pictures or so, it didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a, it's a really difficult question to, to answer, at least for me. It's, it's, it's the way we, we roll these days. I mean, it's why we got to fly to a, to New York City a couple of years ago and play a couple of shows. It's through the internet. Yeah. Yeah, I I think it's both good and bad. I think, like you mentioned, reach is really easy to make happen. Yeah. But at the same time, there is a a, a lot of drawbacks to having everything on the internet. All the, you know, half the time now when a band releases an album, you you hear four or five songs on that album before the album's even released. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's like the band is putting that out or the label is putting that out, you know, and it's, which from the listener, it's cool. From the fan, it's, it's kind of cool because we get to hear these songs. But at the same time, that suspense that we used to have before yeah. the internet of, oh, okay, yeah. Iron Maiden or The Cult are coming out with a new record. Like, what's it going to sound like? And you had to wait for it to actually release. Yeah. And go buy I, it, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, but as you said, the, the conscious weren't previewing a lot of that stuff. No, then. no. But then then we'll get back to the, to the concert tickets. I mean, do you remember? I mean, it, you could go see a band for like three bucks and they were decent. And and they got a record deal and they, they made it big. And even though they made it big, it's sort of like six or seven bucks to see them again. Mm-hmm. Uh, not more than 10 bucks back in the day. I mean, nowadays it's, it's, it's so expensive because artists doesn't make a lot of money on records they have to tour to make that go break even okay so let's turn the the gear back over here to the cult and yeah you know we we, we talked about ground reserve a bit your band and when we talk about music we like to think a lot about influences you know like who who are the the influences of of this band or that band or and when I listen to Graham Reserva, I can't but help hear a little bit of the cult in there. 
And and I, I don't know if it's if it's your voice that, you know, which I, which I kind of think is this unique blend of Ian Asbury and, and Glenn Danzig and that. So, you know, I, I got to ask, is the cult one of your influences or Grand Reserva's influences as a as musicians? Well, it's funny that you mention it because there's a lot of people that say my voice sound a bit like both Ian and Glenn. Uh, I I cannot hear it myself, uh, and I get I I think it's flattering in some way, but it's mostly scary because I look up to those guys. They're they're two great singers, so I'm a I'm a bit scared to be compared to those to those two. But uh, as as a band, Grand Reserva has. Uh, at a certain point, be, being influenced both by the cult and, and Danzig, but mainly because we listen to that kind of music in the band, and we all grew up in a, a in a period of time when these acts came onto the scene. But it's it's not intentional, and I I do not sit down and listen to Ian Asbury and 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 Glenn Danzig and think that I'm I'm gonna try to sing like them because it's uh, no, it's not intentional at all. I, I'm very flattered. I, I could say that, that. I mean, it's strange that you, on the other side of the pond, says that. And I got people in in. Uh, we went to Copenhagen a, a, a couple of months ago, and there was a guy came up to me and said, "Oh my God, you sound so much like Inesbrey." And and what's that? What's that other guy? He, the, you know that scary guy. <laughs> oh my god i know what you're going to say what's his name what's his name do you mean dancing yeah that's him oh crap there you go yeah there you yeah. have it yes there you have it and with that we will catch you guys next week later later this has been sounds on vinyl hosted by mike svensson and phil boyer Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and follow at Sounds on Vinyl on Instagram. Sounds on Vinyl is produced by Boozehound Productions. Music by Grand Reserva. Visit soundsonvinyl.com for official merch and stuff you won't find anywhere else. <laughs>